Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. But we are in week four of a series, and if you are here for the first time, it is okay. You can step in, and you don't need any other information from the past weeks. But we, we've called it One Flesh, and uh, I, I, I could believe that all of us have at least one flesh, right? I mean, we, got, we got one body going on. Um, the whole point of this series is really saying, Lord... If you have healed me, if you have redeemed me, if you have called me new, how do I, with this body you've given me, honor you, glorify you in everything? And often, we cannot talk about one flesh without then talking about how our one flesh engages in conversations, relationships, uh, interactions with others. And so this has been a, a unique relationship series because what muddies the water a bit or beautifies the water is that when uh, husbands and wives in the room said, I do, or those who are engaged, you will say, I do, you became under the Lord one flesh. And now that adds a whole nother wrench into it. How do we glorify the Lord with one flesh? And so it's been really fun. We've, do- divin- divin? We've dove in to uh, some, some powerful tools. We've said power tools of the kingdom. And we've do- dove into the word of honor. That was first week. Second week, we talked about purity and that it is something that maybe you've never heard of and it's not what you think or what maybe purity culture taught you about what purity is and isn't. And then last week, we talked about intimacy, that even the single people in this room have the power tool of intimacy in their relationships. It's not limited by what you can or can't do in the physical. It is fully uh, blessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, does that change what physical looks like? Yes, but can, are you limited? No. It's a lie from the enemy that makes us feel like we're lacking. So that was intimacy. And this week, I'm really excited. But I have a verse for you uh, to start it up with. This is a power tool, all right, in the kingdom of God. This is something that maybe your flesh doesn't want to do, but when you set the tone with it, some really powerful things happen. Does that make sense? Are we we good? Jesus says this in, in John 15. This is right after he said, this is my body given for you, my blood shed. He says, this is my commandment, (laughs) that you love one another as I have loved you. And then verse 13, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you do what I command you, my command is this, to love one another as I have loved you. How have I loved you? No greater love than this, that one may lay down their life for another, for a friend, for, for a, a, a love. Give your life for your friends. This is what Jesus is saying. That's not just like uh, your, your life or your, your ideas of life. It's not like your, even your, what your aspirations are. This is like your time. This is your mental, mental capacity. This is your plans, your cares, your consideration. And that word lay down is really beautiful. It means to take off and to deposit into. I just need to say, a lot of us, 
We think of when Jesus says to lay down one's life, that means to sacrifice my life, to be my life, let my life end for someone else. But really what Jesus is saying is my life will be deposited for them. Very different as we get into this. It's really beautiful. And then that word life is like the inner self. Uh, Lay down your soul, your heart, your mind. He gave himself. This is when Paul says in Ephesians, Jesus gave himself like a fragrant offering. He gave himself up for us. And so the power tool, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this word down and then feel the weight of it. The power tool this morning is the word sacrifice. Okay? Sacrifice. And I would, I would even beckon that many of us have a wrong view of what sacrifice is. Uh, because when Jesus says, I, no greater love than this, that one would lay down his life for a friend, that's not me ending my life, though that happened with Jesus. There wasn't just this denial of his life, but there was a for reason. There was a benefit. There was a gift attached to it that he deposited, and that is sacrificial, is the depositing. So I'm already, you just put that in your back pocket, but I will tell you right now, this is just like when Paul says, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, Paul is like, even if I am being exhausted, given out, deposited into you, sacrificing, I would tell you, you want to know something that will just end the spiritual warfare in your home? Sacrifice. And not done as the enemy says. Not done as even our flesh says, but done as the Lord says. When you sacrifice in your home, striving ceases, anxiety ends, and it lays a groundwork for the Lord to do some ma- like magnificent healing. And so this is really cool, but something we must realize at the very beginning is sacrifice demands a character change. It demands the character of humility. It really does. Sacrifice demands the character of humility. And not just like what we think, but, but sacrifice and humility go hand in hand. Like where the gospels say, clothe yourself with humility. Humility is, is an interesting word. A lot of us, you wouldn't know this, but if you want to write, this is a cool synonym uh, that I found for the word humility. It's the word modesty. Now, don't let purity culture damage your idea of what modesty is. Modesty in and of itself is to not be too much or to not be too less. But modesty is this ability to correctly showcase who you are as you are. Modest. I'm not going to be vain and I'm not going to be, oh, woe to me, a poor pitiful me, I am nothing, I'm in rags. Because if some of us know this, like just because you're wearing rags to this doesn't mean that you're modest or humble. Sometimes rags, you get attention and you want the attention. So then humility has actually circled all the way back around to pride, right? Because I'm going to be so humble and so lowly that my name is seen as being so humble and so lowly. Okay, that's not modest. That's pride with an air of humility. Like you're going to put on that sackcloth so that everyone knows uh, that you're, you're being humble. But it's beautiful. This is, is not, I've heard it said, it's not having this less view of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Have you heard that? That's a wonderful little, little beautiful picture of what humility is. It's not dating yourself less. Like if you're going to rate yourself, it's not saying, okay, I should be a five, but I'm going to be humble. So I'm a one. 
No, that, that's, it's literally just stop thinking of you. When you go into a room, stop trying to fit in in this underplace of humility. No, just think about others. That's modesty. Just think about others. See others. Clothe yourself with humility. And this is interesting. If we're going to sacrifice sin and it demands character of humility, that means in my relationships with my wife, I must have an emotional humility. What does that look like? Like an emotional modesty that I'm not going to be too much. I'm not going to be withdrawn because that's prideful in both ways, right? When I come overbearing to my wife, that's not humble. And when I try to just let her walk all over me and say, okay, we'll fix the problem in this wrong view of sacrifice, that's also, that's rags, that's right. That's not, that's not modesty. Not only that, though, I must also like, not just this, this emotional modesty, but a mental modesty. When I come in, there are other things that demand my attention than me. There are other things. There's a physical modesty. I don't need to be seen right now. Some of you, like, that sacrifice can never happen because you want to be seen or you want to be heard. And in a relationship, those are good needs to be seen and be heard but that's not something we fight for in that sense because it'll always knock down this beauty of sacrifice. And so uh, I'm really excited to dive into this because it's not this poor pitiful I am nothing humility. Some of you, you know people like that, that it's this false humility, like I'm just wretched. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I just, I, I'm just wretched. And that humility circles all the way back around to we're still talking about you. Just stop, right? Like, stop. So it's interesting, if you want to take a note, write this down. In false humility, we will quickly see sacrifice just as self-denial. And I need you to, a lot of us, like, the reason we think sacrifice is wrong or the enemy claims sacrifice is just killing something. Sacrifice is ending something. That, that you, if you want a good marriage, end, end your selfishness. Okay, that's, that's piece of it. But in our false humility, we are quick to just see sacrifice as this self-denial. And so some of you really do think like this. I just got to compromise. I guess I just, it's okay. I'm just going to lose this one. And we genuinely think I'm going to sacrifice. I'm just going to lose this argument. That's false humility. That's not sacrifice. I'm going to lose this argument. Or we play the martyr in relationships or some of us, I'll just give up on my dream. My dream is just not, I guess that's not that important for the sake of my relationship. I'll just give up my dream. And we, we literally just see in this false humility, this low view, view of ourselves, we see sacrifice in relationships just as compromise, losing, me giving up something. Me, me okay, I'll do it again. Okay, I'll, I'll get a, give up again. All right, I, it's just not, I, I won't, I'll cover my mouth. And we end up doing this. We, we give up our wants, our fears, our needs. They just must not matter, right? But it's interesting. As we do that, we begin denying health. We deny joy. I mean, we're about to have Mother's Day next week. So, some false humility in motherhood as we try to mother and you think I'm sacrificing. Some false humility that, that my wife has taught me. That, that's not, I will not do that. Is the more I try to live in this false humility of sacrificing for my children, if it denies my health, it denies my joy, and then it denies my peace. And that's not real sacrifice. Sacrifice is not me giving of myself 
in this way that puts me down. It's really beautiful. So if I could tell you what it actually is, the divine tool of sacrifice is actually all about offering. And I need you to, it's interesting. It has nothing to do, first and foremost, with the desire to take away. That's not the purpose of, of sacrifice. Throughout scripture, sacrifice is so much greater. Sacrifice as an offering is much greater than sacrifice as a denial. Think of it like the God of the universe, and some of you really struggle to believe this. The God of the universe is not this mean-spirited dad who is going to take away. So you genuinely believe that he is this, he desires to limit, to detract. He wants you to, to deny yourself and just get over yourself and put your flesh down. And it just, he's not this God that only talks about you laying things down. That's not the point. His, his relationship with you is not so that you just strip down everything good to show your allegiance. That's, that's not the way that the Lord works. He's not asking you to sacrifice or deny yourself of good things. I mean, radical religious people for years, monks, would deny themselves for things just to get closer to the Lord. That's not what he asks of us. It's not. Instead, the heartbeat of God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He says, I want your heart, but I don't want your heart at the expense of you taking away all these bad things. I just want you to offer you. I want this offering of you. This is who, in the same way, Jesus, who loved the world, gave himself. Now, Jesus' death was a denial. He denied life. He denied comfort. He denied, like, uh, you know, his, his literal breath. I get that. But that's not the point. The point of the sacrifice of the lamb was so that he may give an offering of life. So he may give an offering. And I'll tell you, it's interesting though, sacrifice as a gift is what transforms our relationship. I'm gonna make this a little bit make sense for you. Uh, Your spouse, those of you who are married, your spouse, or uh, your partner if you're dating, or uh, your future, you're single, okay? Those of you single, your, your friends, your future spouse. The interesting thing, and I, he- I need you to hear this, they do not need you to just get over yourself. And some of you, that's how in their anger, they've maybe just spoke that. Like, get, you just need to get over yourself. Uh, they don't need you to uh, just stop thinking about yourself more often, or she doesn't even need you to just stop working out so much so that you can be with the kids. They speak that, But often we think sacrifice is me just giving up something that I like for them. But then it becomes this wrong view. She needs you, are you ready? He needs you, and I need you to hear this, from the abundance of what God has already done in you. They want you, they desire for you to offer yourself to them. That's it. And the interesting thing, though, is... uh, Giving of yourself for the sake of other gets muddied when we are hurt. So a lot of arguments are like, well, you're not doing this. But really the heart is just, I want you to want to offer to do this. It's not about the thing. It's about your desire. I want you to desire to offer yourself. That's sacrifice, the offering of something. In fact, uh, singles in the room, like to, to help you out with this, Uh, A lot of the times we think I'm going to deny myself 
physical pleasure. I'm just going to sacrifice right now and not like, I'm going to put boundaries and that's just the sacrifice I'm going to make right now for my future spouse. That's okay, but that's just bitter. And you're going to think God withholds good things from you. And that's just the wrong way to view it. What we really need to say is, I desire as a single man to offer my wife a heart, a soul that has been longing, praying for her right now. I want to offer her a heart that made a claim. You are going to be mine and I'm yours. And so now what I offer, that will demand me to deny, say no to things right now. It might even change what relationships I decide to be in or where I go when I'm stressed. It will change that, but it's not about the denial. It's about what I want to offer, what I've been given to claim, like to give. That is the change. And it really shapes because when the enemy sits in just self-denial, 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 bitterness starts rising in our hearts because we miss that offering is not about me not doing something. Sacrifice is not about me killing something. Sacrifice is me giving something, me offering something. And it's interesting. I need to think of it this way. If you want to take a note, all offerings end up being denials. They do. But not all denials are offerings. And I need you to sit with that. Like, not all denials are offerings. Some of you really need to ask yourself, like, in many of your relationships, and there's an argument that always plays out, some of you are the ones who just fall on the sword. You really are. You're the ones who will just say, I'm sorry, really quick. And you don't even know if you were actually the one to blame, but what do you want? You want it to end. And so, but you naturally have began to believe that that sacrifice, I'm going to deny my right to be right, and you think you're sacrificing, but that's not going to heal the relationship at all. Uh, for, I mean, think about it. Some of you literally, you just stop something. Why are you doing it? Is it to get them to stop arguing with you so that you can keep the peace so that they will get off of your back to show them sometimes it's to show them that you're the bigger person and you can stop doing it. You see, all of these are from a heartbeat that says, I can deny. But it misses that sacrifice and love is always about, all right, I will give. I will give. I will offer. I will shift this. I will change this. Because what we end up doing, I was talking to the staff, uh, what we end up doing in our relationships is we begin to start counting the denials. I stayed home really late today so that you can start doing this for me. And what ends up happening is we sacrifice things in relationships so that they can do something for us. That's the, it, when we begin to count the costs of sacrifices. We literally tally them in our mind. I stayed home all day with the children. I think you can now take them right now. And it is, that attitude is really just demeaning. It is. Now, there's some truth in it, but that's not going to help your relationship flourish. Because sacrifice is not just about what you do. It's about what you give each other. It's about what you offer and that, it must change. We, I wrote this down where Paul says, like, love, genuine love keeps no record of right and wrong. So we, like, we cannot say, I've done this, so now you need to do this. That literally shows our heart that we are sitting in a sacrifice that's all about denial and not offering. It's a sacrifice of false humility, and it will lead us to bitterness. 
It's interesting. So what does this look like? Like, I, I just got a few things. Uh, sometimes, and this is a note, sometimes, like, it's sacrifice that looks like sacrificing our individuality for the sake of community. And some of you need to, to see this. As single people, uh, the best way that you can love in relationships is really sacrificing your individuality for the sake of community. That's what Jesus did. Now, the beautiful thing is what your go-to, I even want you to like, what do you think that means? Some of you literally think, I need to give up who I am for the sake of others, and you're already thinking of self-denial. No, I need to offer my individuality for the sake of community. Do you see how you already did that? You already messed it up? It's because sacrifice is a tool that's not about, I'm, I, I need to just let go of this so that I can be, have a better uh, spouse relationship. I, can, I just need to let go of this. Actually, I need to offer this. I need to offer this up to the Lord. He either needs to take it. I need to be open hands with it. Others of you, like, it's not sacrificing your, your agenda or your plans. It's really saying, I'm going to actually offer them to the Lord and see what he does with it. And that's the interesting thing is what Paul wants single people in the room. You ready? What he wants is for you to be one with the body. That's your role. Now, married people, we are to be one with the body too. But singles, we often think like, I just, I can't be who I am and all in. And it's just, it feels like this war. But really Paul's like, listen, if you're the hand in the body, you can't just only when it fits your agenda, be present with it. It's not even putting down your agenda for the sake of it. No, it's offering your gifts for the sake of it. That's when you can be present in married couples. Like whenever I do counseling, those of you who have been with me, you know this. The moment you step away from community is often the moment that your marriage begins struggling. Why? Because you're missing that heart of sacrifice, offering myself to the kingdom of God to be used. Like it really, so it, it works together in marriage uh, relationship, but also it's constantly to give, offer who I am, who we are to the Lord, to be used by his people. Another one for marriages, and this is a, a thing, uh, marital sacrifice can sometimes look like reshaping our home life patterns. And uh, I th this is going to be the really practical thing, and then we're going to get back into scripture to show you uh, it gone wrong, okay? Um, but some of you, I was sitting with the staff, and they were talking, I think sacrifice to me, one of the staff members said, sacrifice to me is, is realizing that when I get home from work, I don't just emotionally shut off. That instead, like, I need to change my home life pattern. That when I get home, I had a long day, she had a long day, but we still have this emotional job. It's not done. I still need to offer my best self to her. We still need to offer. And a lot of us think that once the kids get to bed, I have four of my own, we think once the kids get to bed, then we can relax. But really, it's once the kids get to bed, I can now offer myself very fully to my wife and just be present with her. We got to reshape some of our ways that we see this. Sacrifice is not, uh, I'm going to give up something. But it's really, I'm going to change how I do my home life. I'm going to, I want to offer. It's interesting though, um, because I've done many counseling sessions. And so this is what it looks like. You ready? Partner A, out of, um, they only come to me. So the preface this. 
Typically, people only want to go to counseling and they want to invite someone in because it's gotten pretty bad. Or in their heart, like they're just, they're ready. They're done with it. And so it's either it's gotten really bad or they're like, I'm just, we're fixers. And we're just like, this is a small tweak, but it's a tweak that needs to be tweaked, right? And so those two, di- like, two opposites t- tend to happen. But it's interesting, um, when a couple comes to counseling, they already have their cycles of arguments, right? Uh, some of you, you, you know your cycle of argument. And partner A uh, will have this whole list of things, whether it's uh, they will speak a need. And it started as a very simple thing. I spoke a need to him. I asked him to take out the trash or a want. Or it could be something very simple, like I, I just asked to do something. Or I, I, I finally vulnerably said that something hasn't been happening, that I feel unseen. Many of you single people in the room, it, it, you've said this to a friendship and you've spoken your need and now you've let them handle it, right? You make it known. And most of the time, if we can be honest, married people, in your pain, you don't typically say it right. And so now it's like, you haven't done this for a long time. When are you going to do the thing that I've asked you to do? Because it just is still happening. Like you haven't paid the bills. You haven't done this. Like I thought you were going to put the toilet seat down. I thought you were going to clean this up. I thought you were going to mow the lawn. Like, and, and just it, partner A tends to be labeled as the nagger, right? But it's interesting though, because partner B I need you to sit with me on this. All partner A really wants is to see sacrifice in the relationship. Partner B, though, hears all of this list of things. And what do they think? Instantly, they either stonewall, they either withdraw, or my favorite, what ends up happening, what I do. Anyone else? When I'm partner B, I start making a list and speaking the list of all the things that I have been doing to show that, to negate what they're saying. Do you see, this is really what happens in our relationships. And it's this nasty spiral of, I want you to sacrifice and me saying, I am sacrificing. Well, I want you to sacrifice. Well, I am sacrificing. I want you to, and it's just this nasty thing because one thing that is missing is the heart of the offer. I want to give. One thing is missing when we're angry is the heart posture, because if I could just speak, what ends up happening is both walk away feeling rejected, unheard, frustrated, misunderstood, unloved, all the things. And it's a simple task. What did it start with? Just close the toilet. Or like it just started with a simple thing, take out the trash. But now it's like, take out the trash and stop talking like that to my mother. And why do you never be present in this way? And then you're always home late. And it just, it spirals. Can I just tell you like what I've discovered is what we all want. And I think you need to hear this, please. If you're dating, single, or married, what we all want is the same thing. We all want someone who wants to offer themselves to us. Jesus, God made us to be hungry for a God who's present. God made us to be hungry for a God who offers himself, who gives, because he made us knowing that we would need to be one with him. And so everything he is, is everything we need. We were made to desire a God who gives. And so at the end of the day, what she really wants and some of you have, you've spoken this. It's not the thing. 
She doesn't want you to take out the trash. She wants you to want to take out the trash. You hearing me? He doesn't want you to pay the bills. He wants you to want to do it. They don't want you to do this thing. Really what it is, is they want your heart to desire that for them. Really what they're saying is, I just want you to offer yourself to me. There's this problem and nothing's happening and it hurts. And really we can never get there because it's just this back and forth of doing, 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 don't do, 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 don't do, don't do. They aren't, they are. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. And the beautiful thing is we have what it takes to give. We do. But there's this sad little uh, story. We can call it a parable, but it was real life. All the way to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. Do you know the story of Cain and Abel? Obviously, this is brothers. Um, but it's really powerful. The story of Cain and Abel reads this. Now, Abel, the younger brother, was the keeper of the sheep. And Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering. You see, I brought this up because of the offering. He brought the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry. And his countenance fell. Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. It's desirous for you, but you must master it. Verse 8, Cain said to his brother Abel, almost directly after this, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. What a fun story. Now the question is this, why did Cain's offering not be pleasing to the Lord? You see, a lot of theologians over time have just like really just gone back and forth. Some have said, well, it's because Abel slaughtered an animal and that's in line with the heart of God that the bloodshed must happen for the, the forgiveness of sin. Okay, that's nice, but I think we're bleeding into the lines, you know, reading a lot because God hasn't told them to do that yet. But the writer of Hebrews actually speaks it very plainly. The writer of Hebrews says Cain's offering wasn't accepted because Cain didn't do it in faith had nothing to do with what the offering was. It had everything to do with the heart posture behind it. Cain didn't do it in faith. He didn't offer it out of this desire to worship the Lord. It wasn't a heart posture of, of passionate love, of giving to the Lord. It was a heart posture maybe of duty. Maybe he was the oldest brother, so he had to do it. And so the Lord heart checks him. I love it. It says, why are you angry? If you do not do well, or what the, the, the writer of Hebrews says, if you don't do it with faith, sin's lurking. But if you do do it with faith, you're good. You're good. It's interesting, though, like, as we sit in this, I can think of dozens. <laughs> I will even be, I can think of, just to be honest, three dozen 
situations in my own marriage and my relationships where I have allowed the circumstance surrounding me to really uh, dictate my actions or my emotions, and I've allowed the circumstances or the situations to really squash my faith. And then what I do no longer is in faith, but I think we can all agree it's sometimes in duty. Sometimes you keep showing up to church in duty or obligation, or you keep showing up and doing those things for your spouse because you just have to, and that'll, that'll get you for a bit. It will, but an offering that is not founded in faith will always have an offering that will lead you where the Lord can come up and say, hey, Greg, like, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? It's like, because God, I'm tired, and I've been doing all of these things, and no one's noticing, and he's like, pause, pause, pause. Are you offering in faith, or are you denying yourself in this false humility because you just think it's responsible? And it really, like, it just, it shapes how I do everything. Am I doing this to Kate as an offering in faith, like, because I love and adore her, or am I doing it half-heartedly because I think it's just my role as being a husband? That'll get me for a bit, but there's a reason why year seven, divorce happens. Because that's seven years of doing something out of due diligence, or seven years of doing something void of heart. And then finally, bitterness sets in. You don't see me, lies set in. I'm not good enough, lies set in. Which is the lie that Cain felt. God, you have no regard for me. And honestly, like I can remember... Uh, this, the hardest part is when you do something, and men, we're, we do this a lot. You ever do something, and you're like, I'm so excited. I'm putting a lot of energy and effort into this, and it's going to be for her, and she's going to like this, and then she has no regard for it. Anyone? Yeah. Sucks. And you're like, I put my whole self into that. I, I, I literally gave up everything to do this, and if we were to actually listen to her heart, which... Sometimes I don't, and I get mad and frustrated, but Kate's heart is actually, if you wanted, you would be home with me to help me with the kids instead of doing all that things that I don't really care about. You would, because it would be an offer to me. It would be an offering to me, not a gift to a wife, but it's an offering to me, which means you know me. You know my heart. You see me. And I just remember tons of times in my lack of faith and in my, my, my stubbornness and my angry, uh, angry setting heart, like I'm doing all these things and then it comes home and it's not good enough. But really the reason it's not good enough is because she takes no regard for it because it wasn't an offering for her. It was either something good for me to do to prove that I'm good or something because I needed to fix something or something because I wanted to make up for a bad thing. All of these are false motives that destroy the offering of sacrifice. Does this make sense? But I think we've all been in this place, and the Lord says, hey, Greg, if you would do it in faith, it would be accepted, because you would do it with trust, with belief. You would see things clearly. But be careful, Greg, because sin is lurking at the door. It's, it's waiting She's going to have no regard for it, and you're going to want to lash out. You're going to want to withdraw. Do things in faith, Greg. It's interesting, though. Uh, I think of those times like God could really come down and say, Greg, like, I feel like you're missing the point, and you feel like it's because you're, you are not enough. 
That's really what Cain, like, he has shifted this offering to this I'm not enough thinking. And it really led him to kill his brother. It literally led him to this troubled heart. He didn't have faith in his offering, and God didn't regard it. He, and, I, and I need you to hear this. It's not that they don't regard you. It's they're not regarding the things that you're doing because it's a void of love sometimes. Does this make sense? The father still regarded Cain. He still noticed Cain. He didn't regard this half-hearted offering. Does this make sense? It's interesting, though, Jesus has spoken this verse over and over this week. I have not had a good week, but he has spoken this. I spoke it to Kate. Uh, it's in chapter 14 of John where he looks at the disciples, and he's, he just washed their feet. He just said that I'm going to be betrayed, and then he speaks this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now, the neat thing about this is the Greek has three different words for faith. Sometimes it's translated as faith. Other times it's trust. Other times it's belief. Right here, it's literally, do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith. Trust in God. Have faith. Trust. Believe. Let it believe that it is to be. So, have faith in me. Trust in me. But it's interesting. I am like the proponent of this. Like, I, I, I have many examples in my life where there is a little trust there is always little sacrifice, hands down. In my relationships, uh, where there's a little trust, there is little sacrifice. And it's interesting, though, it's not just little sacrifice, it's also genuine sacrifice. Uh, where there's little trust, we don't believe, uh, we don't give, we don't offer. But it's interesting, if you want to put this next one up too, where there's little sacrifice, you can always find a troubled heart. And it sort of hits that way. Where Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in me. And in faith, I can now give. And this, this gift literally offsets the troubled heart. Cain's troubled heart led him to murder. My troubled heart gets me into lies, gets me into greater doubt. It leads me into bitter thoughts. Like my troubled heart leads me into despair. Just a quick, like, spouses, when you feel a troubled heart... You need to pause. You cannot offer anything of value when you sit in a troubled heart. Now, the beautiful thing is Jesus literally gives this command, do not let your heart be troubled. That means you have the authority, the ability to stop your heart when you feel trouble is coming. But the neat thing is when you are in trouble, you go to him. So we have, we have the like, ability to stop a heart from getting troubled. But when we are troubled, we go to him. And it's interesting, though, because when you're troubled, you often just go back to your work. When you're troubled, you just go back. Some of you go to your spouse and expect them to fix it. When you're troubled, you sometimes go to your desires or your flesh or that heavy poor. When you are troubled, we do many things. But that's going to perpetuate this troubled heart that doesn't offer much, that literally just keeps this pain and wallowing down. So what we do is, Jesus, I'm anxious. And nothing I'm doing is seeming to communicate my love for people because I think it's like I'm just, I'm just in this wrong view right now. Will you fix this? Will you shape me? 
Will you forgive me? A lot of times there's sin attached. Like, will you, will you renew my heart? Will you cleanse my mind? I need to trust you. And now from that, abundantly, I can offer my wife peace. I can offer my wife presence, hope. Where Paul says, and I'm going to end with this, to the church in Ephesus. He says, live in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's what you do. I need you to live in love. And what I love even further than that is he takes it in, uh, that's verse two, literally in like 10 to 15 verses, he's about to make this very personified. And so I'm gonna end being very blunt to the men in the room. Are you ready? <laughs> he takes this genuine and, and very blanket statement of all of you, if you're in Christ, you need to offer yourself. You need to give yourself up for the, uh, those around you. That's love. Give yourself up. But then he looks to husbands. And right before this, he says, I need you, husbands and wives, he's writing a letter, be subject to each other out of reverence to Christ. And then the most misquoted scripture happens. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands out of reverence to the Lord. And then husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, a fragrant offering. He literally takes this general claim and now makes it very personal to every man. He says, it is your role as the head of the home to give yourself up. What that means is not deny yourself and throw yourself on, the, on the, the, the stick, on the spear. It means you constantly offer yourself to her. If she's not offering herself to you, guess what? That's not what's written. You offer yourself to her. That's like we start with us as men. Like, and I just, in a relationship, Paul is saying live in love. And so the, the, the power, though, is then he says, as Christ gave himself to her and he presented her holy, beautiful. It's so pretty. It actually says he cleansed her with the washing of the word. He presents the church to himself in splendor without a spot or a wrinkle or anything. I've learned that there is a beautiful anointing that a man of God has. He has the ability to create a home he has the ability to create a presence, a soil that a woman can respond well to by what he offers. Now, that's not out of lacking. I don't even do it out of striving. I do it from the Lord. I, do, I, 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 I don't sacrifice and end Greg. I give Greg. And it's just this change up that we have to get. Now, in all relationships, that's possible. That literally, if you don't remember anything, remember this. You offering, you surrendering for the sake of another, it paves a beautiful soil for them to plant in. You offering, you giving in, not to give in in this, like, I'm going to give up and withdraw. No, I'm going to offer. Hun, right now, like, can we just pause? Like, can we pray I just want to offer, I just want to offer this. Like, can we just pause? Can, can we, I'm not going to back out. We're going to give it, like, let's give inward to each other right now. Like, what's going on? And when we do that, it creates a soil for growth to happen. That's what single, you get to do that in your relationships. I 
offer who I am to people, and it gives them a growth, a place to grow. It gives them a place to hope. It really does. That's what Jesus said. He did. I offer my life so that they may have hope. And in the same way, we get to offer our lives that people can hope. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.